If you spent any time in Cincinnati, you probably know the hulking white building with a tower on top that rises just west of I-75. In a city of architectural gems, the fortress-like Crosley building in Cincinnati's Camp Washington neighborhood stands out for its size and its neglect. What might not be apparent gazing at the building is how much history making took place there. This podcast is the story of how a now empty building helped change the world and how the fate of the neighborhood around it is tied up in its construction, its boom years, its decline, and efforts to resurrect it. This is Crosley at the Crossroads, how a Cincinnati landmark mirrors the fortunes of the city. I'm Nick Swartzell. By the late 1920s, the popularity of Crosley radios was booming. The company couldn't keep up with demand for their inexpensive radio sets at a time when the airwaves were the only real form of mass communication. Powell and Lewis Crosley knew they needed to expand, and they set their eyes on Camp Washington, already a bustling industrial neighborhood, to do so. Lewis Crosley's grandson, an author of Crosley, Two Brothers and a Business Empire That Transformed the World, Rusty McClure tells us more. I'm here with Rusty McClure. He's the grandson of Lewis Crosley and the author of Crosley, Two Brothers, and a Business Empire that Transformed the World. Uh, we're talking about uh, what happened here in this building when it was built in 1930 and uh, how the Crosleys uh, navigated the Great Depression and how they were really poised to, uh, to thrive during the Great Depression. So the timing of this building is really important to consider and the, the fact that the Crosleys didn't carry any debt is important to consider because the Great Depression is happening as they're building this building, basically, or as they're finishing it. So uh, the Crosley Company was pretty buoyant through the Great Depression. You know, like, it seems like it didn't suffer the same way other companies did. Are there reasons for that? You touched on the first and most important one. My great-grandfather, the brother's father, was born in a log cabin outside of Springboro. And he left that log cabin experience because it wasn't a good experience, even though the European immigrants thought it was a great thing to own your land because they couldn't own land in Europe. They came here. The Shawnee weren't too happy about that. But they had a 26-acre farm that was nothing but work. And my great-grandfather worked his way through sales jobs off of trains for Singer sewing machines, which were the flat screen TV of, it, of their day, to saving up his money and at age 26 staked his future on a law degree from the University of Michigan. Came to Cincinnati to be, practice law and to have a different kind of a life, a city-fied life, like so many people of those generations got off the farm and created the modern world that we live in. Sure. But it wasn't enough for my great-grandfather, so he started buying businesses and became what is now known as a serial entrepreneur, and he did it all on debt, borrowing money. In the late 1890s, a panic hit. The bonds of the railroads got overbuilt. Railroads were the, were the great wonder machine then, and sure. they, over, they overextended, paid too much, built too many radios. They crashed and they pulled my grandfather's house of cards out from under him, and he went broke. And so Lewis Crosley, the younger, studious brother of the flame-throwing entrepreneur that we 
now talk about, would always say to his older brother, how much money are you going to lose? We're going to do this. We're going to pay for it with cash. We're not going to borrow money because we don't want to end up like our father. Yeah. And yeah. so these guys, again, back to my opening comments about these two complementary brothers who are opposites and best friends, business partners, brothers. The younger brother stands up to the older brother in a way that the world could not stand up to the six foot four Powell Crosley Jr. and said, we are not going to blow money that we don't have because that's called debt. So this building, this building we're in right now, was all built with cash. Unheard of. It's almost an un-American idea. You got an eight-plus story building here that is like the epicenter of the wonder machine, the, elect the first electronic, great electronic product of its era, which is radio, and it's all built with cash. The, the brothers, basically pal, figures out how to take the company public at just the proper time before the crash, late 1920s. And unlike everybody else who have all this debt, and they go public and they get more debt, they had no debt when they went public, so all the money came in, it was cash. And it helped build this building. And they were so careful because of the experiences of their father it's not to say the depression and the crash didn't affect them because it affected everybody. But if you think about it, they had a $10 working their way to $7 home entertainment system for the masses. And as they upped the power of the radio station so that it could reach more families, they created a bigger market for those radios, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so now if you are sitting somewhere worried about your future, your family's well-being, you aren't gonna go on the family vacation, you're not gonna blow money, but you could save up and buy a home entertainment system for seven to $10. So that radio, in some ways was not the cutting edge thing as much, as much as it was the only thing. And they made it available and they made it for the masses so they could afford it. And so as the depression pushes down the disposable income of the American, they appreciate the radio in a marketing sense even more. And it plays to their ability. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So they were they were very well positioned to thrive in a time when most people were not thriving. So tell me about the increased power that WLW had, and also the fact that they were broadcasting live from this floor, uh, state of the art studios and talent that I think a lot of people would recognize even now. Some of these names. So, yes. so talk to us about that. Well, first of all, they ramp up the power. It's Powell's idea about the masses. If you think about zero sum, where if you raise one side of the sum, you lower the other side to get to zero sum. Sure. 
If Powell can have a more powerful radio station, he can build a cheaper radio for the people that are hurting. Because the radio station has the power, therefore the receiver doesn't need as much power. Right. And therefore it can be cheaper and more affordable to people who are hurting. So if he powers it up, he can then go out in the, and into the market and undercut all the people who are now trying to turn the radio into the commodity where everybody, everybody figures out they can build a radio, but they can't build it as cheap as Pal can, which is actually as cheap as Lewis can. <laughs> right. Okay? Right, right. right. All right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now you create the geography distance and you create the time distance. Instead of being on the air for 10 hours, you want to be on the air for 12 hours, you want to be on the air for 15 hours. And the money is being made principally in the beginning by selling the radio. And they're giving away the content. Right. All right? So ultimately what's going to happen is we're going to charge for that content. And we're going to have to have more people in this room, in this building where we are. So as they begin to figure out how to build a factory to build radios, they figure out they got to build the content for the radio station. So they add two more stories as they're building. I mean, they're actually building, they're building radios in the bottom two floors as the construction is adding to the top floor. Incredible. The building wasn't even finished yet and they were already cranking out radios. Correct. Because yeah. yeah. that's, how, that's how fast these people moved. That's how fast the market was moving and how fast the Crosleys were and their team were responding. All right, so now what you have to do is dial back yourself to the beginning of radio and understand it's all live. So it's one thing to say we're going to go from 10 hours to 12 hours. It's another thing to do it because you don't have any people, because you can't record anything. The technology that you and I are using right now to record is not available to radio at that point. Yes, there were phonographs, but it, the way to do this. So in this very large building across this eighth floor is housing for three orchestras. Wow. Three orchestras will come in and out of soundproofing. Let's pay attention to the fact that as they moved down the hill from College Hill, because Cincinnati is nothing but hills, they moved to the train areas in the valleys where the trains went so they could ship those boxcar full of radios. Well, that, that clanking in that factory, so now they have to soundproof the live radio. So now they have to put, they have to engineer dark and soundproof walls to keep the radio in the factory. It's 100 degrees in the valley. It's humid. It's awful in Cincinnati. There's no air conditioning. And you have live radio playing above seven floors of factory in a big train yard full of boxcars putting out these expensive radio shipments. And yeah. now it's got to be quiet. So you got to have talent. You got to bring people in. You talk about the names. There's a dancer not far from here. It's a dance studio. And one of the dance instructors says, you know, I got this dancing girl and I think I can teach her to sing. Would you like to have her sing? Her name is Doris Klingehopper. 
you know, German, right? They bring her in. They start teaching her how to sing. They make a singer out of a dancer. That Doris will ultimately be Doris Day. Okay? Incredibly famous. Yeah. You have a bunch of brothers named Williams. Um, and they come in. They have a younger brother. It's almost like Michael Jackson. And the youngest grows up with the singing group, and that's Andy Williams. Wow. That's the fourth brother. The one, the little brother, the little Michael Jackson brother. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Then yeah, he yeah. learns how to do it from the older brothers. And he comes, and this company is growing, surrounded. We'll talk a little bit about this, but there were many buildings within a stone's throw here. And as the business grew, they would buy a building, lease a building. They'd have it for three years. I'd ask my grandfather, what about, we had, we had dozens of buildings. We, we, they'd have, have one building for 10 years, another one for five. They'd be moving around. And we, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and he says, we had a painter. We're sitting and having a meeting, not far from where you and I are right now. And maybe where we are. And we're having a meeting in the paint. I said, what do you need? You got a painter? He says, we were always growing and we, just, we hired a painter, like a carpenter. We, had, we were always growing. And so the, the guy's painting a wall and we're having a meeting while we're painting a wall. And, and, and the problem is we want to expand the programming seven days a week, 12, 14 hours, stimulate the demand for the radios. We don't have any, we've used all the churches. We've used... We've used the conservatory of music. We've got everybody. There is nobody else. The painter goes, you know, my, my kids can sing. He's just moved up from Kentucky. And he's got a job as a painter. He says, your kids can sing? Yeah. He says, would you like, to, would you like it if I brought him in? And, um, and we could uh, have an audition. My grandfather says, hell no. He says, if you... If you think they can sing, you bring them in and we'll put them on the air. And that'll, 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 be, their, that'll be their introduction. And, but we'll just, you know, put them on the air. Well, that's the Clooney's. No, that's George Clooney's dad and his sisters. And that's how the that's Rosemary Clooney. Incredible. And so it goes on and on and on. Red Skelton yeah. is another one. They come through. Why did they come through Cincinnati? Well, first of all, there are a lot of talented people live in the tri-state area, even to this day, of course. And now they have, this is the epicenter of the beginning of radio. Incredible. And so they come and, they, get, and they, they, they bring them in. They bring them in from New York. They bring the vaudeville people in. If they can make it work, they keep them. If, it does, if they run out, it doesn't work, they send them back to New York. I want people to understand how big this was. I mean, it's hard to imagine how big it was. Well, first of all, it ends up with 5,000 employees and ends up with 10,000 employees. And then it starts to grow across this neighborhood. And this is how things happen. We, we do a better job of this than I can do when we talk about all the times that, that Powell came up with um, the naming of things. But the brothers have one surviving sister. They have two sisters. One survives to adulthood. She comes, she goes on a date, comes back, tells their brothers, most importantly, pal, God, the guy would just talk, 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 and he was so boring. I wish I had a radio in my car. Huh? A radio <laughs> in my car. Remember I told you that Henry Ford 
sold stripped down and they were in the automobile accessories, right. a light bulb goes off in Powell's head. What if we could take the radio and put it in a car? He called it the Romeo, like <laughs> roaming around, yes. except it was also a play on words because it was Romeo, the, the date right, that right, right. she didn't like <laughs> listening to it. And so they launch radio in cars. General Motors decides that they want to have a radio in the car. The Crosleys, if you pay attention, always come up with some added attraction to the mass product. The first thing Powell wants to do is keep the price down and make it available to the masses. The second thing he wants to do is introduce a spiff. The technology is moving forward, so a patent Crosley patent on a radio for a car is the push-button technology that we have today. So General Motors wants to make a car radio, but the only way they can get a car radio with a push-button technology so you can change stations is to have a Crosley radio, and that, right on the cusp of the Depression, explodes across America. 25% unemployment, there's still 75% people are employed. They can't take a horse to work anymore. They go by car, they want, and now this building is going to be stretched and this neighborhood's gonna be stretched so badly that they go north of Indianapolis to Kokomo, Indiana and buy a factory that's now broke because of the depression. And they make all the car radios for General Motors because of that patent. Wow. Even as the Crosleys were building their enormous new factory and state-of-the-art studio facility, the world's economic system was grinding to a halt. The Crosleys managed to escape the brunt of that due to the way they operated their business. Many others were not so lucky. University of Cincinnati professor of history Dr. David Stradling discusses how the Great Depression impacted Cincinnati and America. The building was built. 1929, 1930, uh, most people will think about that and realize it's not a great time to build a massive industrial structure, but it worked out for the Crosleys. Broader, more broader terms in Cincinnati, though, things were not looking so great. Uh, Dr. Stradling, David, can, can you talk to us a little bit about what was going on economically and socially in the city of Cincinnati at that time? Sure. Um, well, if you think about 1930, we all know that the next 10 years were really bad economically until the United States starts gearing up for World War II. Um, but they don't know that this depression that is just underway is going to be the Great Depression. So we'll keep that in mind, that uh, by the time this building opens for business um, and is occupied, the depression has begun. But really, it's still essentially a financial crisis. The market has crashed. There is a constriction of capital. Um, and lots of business people are worried about how we get out of the mess. The average person doesn't have any reason to believe that we're going to be suffering through what becomes the Great Depression. Um, and jobs are, are shed pretty quickly over the next few years uh, around the country. This is obviously not something that happens locally. Um, but Cincinnati is actually a little bit better positioned than some uh, industrial cities. 
piece because of the diversity of industries here. Um, Cincinnati is, as you know, not, not heavily uh, dependent on steel and iron, and that's one of the industries that collapses pretty quickly, um, that, that when the demand for construction and, and new goods uh, begins to diminish the steel and iron, they, they simply shut down and throw a lot of people out of work. So there, there are places that suffer dramatically. Cincinnati, um, its scaling back of, of jobs happens more slowly and, and less completely than a, than a lot of industrial cities. Um, take Camp Washington, for example. The, the industry around here that you'll see, a lot of it has to do with meat packing. Um, eventually, people will not have the income to buy as much meat as they used to, but um, people continue to eat in the United States. Uh, Procter & Gamble is somewhat uh, insulated from the Great Depression because people still bathe and wash their clothes. So there, there are some aspects of the industry in Cincinnati that, that like Crosley itself, um, can weather the storm a little bit better than others. Crosley continued its dominance in the radio industry beyond the Great Depression, but another major historical event was on the horizon. In the next episode, we'll talk about the pivotal role the company played in the effort to win World War II, including a game-changing device that might have turned the tide of the war. This podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Nick Swartzell. Editor, recording engineer, and assistant producer is Josh Elstro. Original music is by Josh Elstro and Leo Mercia. This is a project created by Action Tank USA, a nonprofit partnering with artists to research and promote public policy solutions at the local government level. Action Tank proudly presents this project in partnership with our marketing partner, WVXU, Cincinnati's local NPR affiliate. This project was made possible with the generous support of the Greater Cincinnati Foundation and the W.E. Smith Foundation.